It's Wednesday, February 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Unless you're a shareholder of Solar City. Well, yes. And then it's absolutely so, not that much less happy. Yeah, you're you're 25% less happy than you were yesterday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the latest quarter from Panera Bread. Let's start with the Magic Kingdom. Walt Disney's fourth quarter. Once again, everything's looking good except Star Wars as big as we thought it would be. Revenue from the parks is up, consumer products up, and yet shares are down and hitting a one-year low today because the cord cutting in the television division is still happening. Yeah. All right. So let's look at the numbers. At the top line numbers, uh, media networks up eight percent. Uh, this is for revenue. Uh, the parks up nine percent. Studio entertainment, which was mostly Star Wars, up forty six percent for the quarter. Uh, consumer products up eight percent. All in all, up fourteen percent. Phenomenal quarter in the books. And 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 as you say, so it's not up today. And why is that? And the reason that it's not up today is that the answer is about uh, mostly ESPN, but but. Sort of everything which comes from cord cutting, which goes beyond just the ESPN channel, uh, comes into play, and there there aren't specific answers yet from Iger. And why? Let's quantify this. ESPN is far and away the most expensive uh, property in in cable. Uh, it gets uh, almost seven dollars a month from from the cable operators. Per subscriber, uh, number two. You know who number two is? The Weather Channel. TNT. I, no, not. not <laughs> <laughs> feels like that because we had that big storm and people watched the Weather Channel for a couple of days there. But TNT, which is not even two dollars a month. So ESPN is three to four times number two in terms of the cost per carry, and there are a hundred mil- almost a hundred million. But it's down, so we'll come back to that in a second. 100 million um, subscribers. So you've got the, let's call it 650 a month uh, of, of revenue. That's $75 over a year. And 100 million um, uh, subscribers. That's 7.5 billion annual revenue from ESPN. So Star Wars, huge, $2 billion globally, but not something that happens every year, although Disney's going to try. The next couple of years on that, uh, ESPN is just a much, much, much bigger part of the value of this company, and uh, it's down about seven million subscribers from '99 to '92 uh, over the last year and a half. And the company can't really give a clear vision of what this is all going to look like eventually because nobody knows. I guess the thing that surprises me about all of this is the demonstrated lack of faith in Bob Iger and his team. Because when you look at how he has grown this company, grown the business, the acquisitions that he's made, he has had an amazing run as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And part of me looks at all of this and thinks, and yes, I'm a shareholder, but part of me looks at this and thinks, okay, 
yes, the numbers are down. Yes, this is a huge amount of money that they get, and cord cutting does affect them. It is the lone black spot on an otherwise pristine quarterly earnings report, and we've seen this play out over the last couple of quarters as well. So I guess I'm just a, I continue to be surprised that there's no faith that Iger and his team are going to figure out how to make money off of ESPN and live sports programming. Well, to take the other side of that, I'll say that the reason why there might be less faith than you think there should be is that Iger himself is not giving assurances that that they so they picked up some subscribers in the last couple of months and on the conference call he didn't look you can you can give a narrative to that and say this is how things are going to happen that's not what he did he said we don't really know why you know we've got more subscribers over the last couple of months so it it could be that people are picking up ESPN on certain of the skinny bundle packages uh, but but they're not sure so it's it's a lack of guidance as to the specific the biggest question out there and you know I, I guess to his credit he is not saying oh yeah I can predict the future for you on this one <laughs> I think there's more of what you're talking about that there should be some confidence that whatever the future brings they'll do a pretty good job navigating it and that may be the case and that still may mean hey the ultimate number of ESPN subscribers through over the top through various different methods of, of subscribing to it or not on cable packages you know maybe that number ends up being 80 million rather than today's 92 i don't know maybe it's 120 million i i can't right now when you stop having growth numbers that project out and you you just have sort of a it's going to be different. It's going to be very different five years from now than it is today. People say, I, I, people, you know, investors, analysts projecting these things say, I can't really, I, I, I'm much more comfortable uh, modeling 3% growth times 3% growth times 3% growth out to the, to the end rather than there are a lot of different scenarios. I don't know which one is going to happen. But, I mean the number of things that they've it's that they've got going the number of like guaranteed blockbusters from the Shanghai Park opening up this year uh you know the next uh, Marvel movies Captain America's coming out next uh you know there's a new Star Wars movie coming out next Christmas another Pixar movie coming out this spring uh and um you know Frozen they just announced the opening date for the Frozen musical they're just and and you just assume well everything Every single one of those things will be a blockbuster. Why, why would it not be? <laughs> I also read this morning that of the 30 stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, this has one of the lowest dividends. It's the third lowest dividends. And I'm wondering if one easy lever to pull is to juice the dividend a little bit at some point this year so that it becomes slightly more attractive, if not to individual shareholders than to institutional ones as well. Could be. I would say that, as uh, referring back to it being at a uh, low, um, 52-week low, I'd rather the company buy back some shares uh, at this price. Disney has been 
is a very profitable company, but has enough different things uh, to grow its business. Whether it's you know buying Marvel, buying Pixar, opening up an enormously expensive uh, theme park uh, that that just taking a lot of money and buying back its shares hasn't been one of the options. Uh, but you know, right now it might be. Shares of Solar City down twenty five percent after their fourth quarter report. The loss was lower than expected. They beat on revenue, but the installations of their solar systems in the fourth quarter was lower than expected, and they had pretty bad guidance for 2016. So maybe not all that surprising that it is dropping 25 percent. Yeah, it's it's the guidance. Just as Disney had a, a good quarter in the really good quarter in the books, but the guy. I don't know the guidance of what ESPN is going to do over the long haul is amorphous. Um, you know, this is a, a I don't know if you'd call it a good quarter for Solar City, better than expectations, but um, you know the the guidance is is very weak compared to what was expected. This is a growth stock. There are not going to be value stock investors interested in a company losing money the way Solar City is unless it gets a lot cheaper than it is today. So I'm not surprised that the growth investors are uh, seeking the exit and having a hard time, you know, all squeezing out the exit at the same time, which is what happens uh, and, and causes a 25% decline. And we don't get into politics on this podcast. There are plenty of other business You should have shows. a politics uh, podcast. No, I have no, I have no interest in there that. There probably aren't that many of them out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there yeah, people, have, people have plenty of choices when it comes to <laughs> political podcasts. But the fact of the matter, in the case of this business, is uh, one of the things out of this is that Solar City has stopped installing rooftop systems in Nevada because regulators in Nevada cut the incentives. And I think, at least for some investors, it became this stark reminder, oh, right, for whatever you think of the business itself and the future of solar energy, the fact of the matter is, this is a business right now that is reliant, to a pretty significant degree, on subsidies. Yeah, and the subsidies are scheduled, the federal subsidies are scheduled to decline. You know, I would recommend that, you know, this is... The economics of this particular business's operations are more complex than a lot of other things, like I don't know, Panera, which sells coffee and bagels, and we'll get back to. Uh, so, you know, there are government incentives, there are tax tax incentives, and they are not going up. They're not scheduled to go up. They're scheduled to decline. And there are any number of political scenarios that might occur where, uh, on, at the federal level, there would be less support for. Alternative energy, uh, and that could be part of the fear that's being priced into the stock right now. And I, I think that uh, you know the company's got is is not able to control those things, and that's a big part of the equation for whether their business is sustainable. And and with energy in all forms being much cheaper today than it was two years ago, uh, not just oil but natural gas, and um, I, I think that. Uh, you know the long-term uh, business model is is evolving in the wrong direction uh, for them. So the fact that shares of Solar City are down sixty-five percent in the past year, you don't think value investors or you don't think they're going to come running to this? Well, it's not a value based on 
you know, your price to book or your price to earnings valuation models. Because there, there are no actual earnings. No, <laughs> there is a book, but uh, so no, I, I don't know. And then it becomes who's who is most interested in this if you don't have a value investor interest or a growth investor interest, um, and it's and, and it's not. Uh, it's still projecting growth, but it, how profitable is the growth going to be when the tax incentives uh, dwindle? Let's move on to Panera Bread. Their fourth quarter profit came in higher than expected. Shares up this morning, up around four or five percent, and the latest example of how raising prices can help a business. That's part of it. I mean, I think it's mostly. Uh, the business provided by uh, this office probably <laughs> is is enough to, to juice their earnings across the, the country because does Ron Shake the CEO Ron Shake break out same store sales on a on a micro level can we can <laughs> we get not just two thousand Duke Street yeah can we anyway? get not just state by state same store sales but Alexandria Virginia same store sales I so a large part of the story here for Panera is. That the Panera 2.0 model, which is the model that has opened up across the street from this office and has taken over a lot of the sandwich business uh, from uh, not just our office but everyone around us, uh, is is going very well. And to quantify that, uh, they have provided, and and so what is it, Panera 2.0? It's basically uh, you can order online, you can order from iPads in uh, the store. And uh, just uh, pay uh, with a credit card loaded to your account. You know they're not the only business doing this, but they're doing it quite well. And go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say for for those unfamiliar, this is we are about two years away from uh, the anniversary. It was the it was the spring of 2014, and Ron Shake, the CEO at Panera Bread, came out and said what clearly customers had been saying, which is that. The experience within a Panera Bread is, at best, a little confusing, and at worst, a mosh pit. And those were the words. That was the phrase he used. And he came out and said, "Where when he was launching the Panera 2.0 initiative, he talked about how yeah, it's a mosh pit where you order in one place, but you pick up your food somewhere else. But maybe someone brings it to you, and it's confusing. And we recognize this, and we're working to fix this. Yeah, and there are two different places that you might order from. There's like the the bagel and bread uh, counter, and then there's the other like the sandwich and soup counter. And it yes, and now what you do is you order as whereas we do in our office online, and then you walk over. It's ready for you at a specific time, 15 minutes later. Uh, they give you the time. It's going to be ready. You go in, you pick up the bag, and you leave. And so they're not wasting a lot of space with tables. There are some tables in there. You can linger around in there. But it's not the typical very large uh, chunk of real estate that Panera has where a lot of people hang out by the fireplace and, and sit there and drink 15 cups of coffee, which you can just refill on your own, and which I also like about Panera. Uh, but so in the Panera 2.0, They've got, they've broken out what the comps, the same store sales numbers are for the restaurants that they have converted to 2.0 over time, and over and after 10 quarters, uh, they're up 25 percent. After eight quarters, 16 percent. Five quarters, nine percent. You know, one quarter, three percent. So, and most of the restaurants 
have been opened recently. About 200 out of the total 300 that have been converted have been done in the last, you know, have only been open for, for two quarters or, or less. So they are, if they follow the trend of the older ones, um, going to be seeing uh, really good comps and, and the probably the number that the market is reacting the most to today and the stock's up 5% or thereabouts is that although comps are up, I think, 3 to 4% in the quarter, they're up over 6% in the weeks since the end of the quarter. So since December 31st, uh, or, or December 29th, I guess, which is when their fiscal year ended, uh, they're, you know, uh, in those 41 days since then, they're up over 6%. So if the most recent numbers are even better than the finished quarter's numbers, that tends to be something that always helps the stock. You got to give Ron Shake credit for coming out with that kind of statement. Because I love Ron Shake. Because I'm sure there were possibly members on the board or maybe some of their larger shareholders who who didn't like that who 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 probably picked up the phone and said hey look you can announce the initiative without calling attention to the fact that it's a bad experience and to his credit shake you know said no 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 we know what's going on we know it's terrible in here and we're working to fix it yeah and and it took a while after making that announcement to roll out the new experience and then they found that it was costing more to roll it out than they initially thought but stuck with it now the rewards are coming in the stock is is having a, a much better year than most stocks last time you were on we talked about last time you were on it was groundhog day so we we of course talked about the movie Groundhog Day, market full. You know what? We were supposed to get like an early uh, spring, right? It uh, snowed like twice since then. Yeah, and this weekend. What's up, it, Punxsutawney? It's it's going to be down in the in the double digit or down in the single digits this weekend. So, but again, if it may be time to invest in new weather technologies beyond the groundhog. I don't know. Uh, I think I think some people in your home state would would say otherwise. I'm just throwing out radical ideas. Marketfullery at fool.com is our email address from Bud Turner in Palmdale, California. Bud writes, the United States Navy ships that are based on the West Coast usually do a six- to nine-month appointment in the Western Pacific and the Middle East. On the westbound leg of the deployment, they lose a day when they cross the international dateline. The sailors go to bed on Tuesday and wake up on Thursday. However, when they cross the interna- international... Is this, is this a math question? <laughs> well, no, no, no. Just sharing information. When they cross the international dateline on the way home, they repeat the same day. They go to bed on Tuesday evening and wake up again Tuesday morning. The sailors affectionately refer to this day as Groundhog Day. In addition to all the hijinks that accompany crossing the equator at the international dateline, the ship's media department plays the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day over and over all day long. As many times as I've seen it, it's still a great movie. It is. I actually watched it on the flight out to San Diego last week. I know. You got to go to how was San Diego? It was great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Morgan Housel and I talked about it on yesterday's podcast, but just a great event and uh, got the chance to see members who we've seen at previous events. But there were a number of members who were there for the first time, and it was uh, it was really great. And and actually, a couple were asking after you. And what what's it like? Because you're sort of like a Frequently, when we're doing the podcast, and we're just here in the studio. You forget what a big star you are out there, uh, no. and then you you go and meet you know your adoring public. And uh, do you have any stalkers? Uh, <laughs> uh, if I do, they're 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 keeping very quiet. Here, uh, so let let me share one story because this this speaks to 
how, and, and I've said this before. Who asked about me, by the way? <laughs> we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, uh, uh, people, have, uh, people here at, the, at Full HQ have asked me about this, and one of the things I always say about these events is there are members who come up and they're listeners and they and they come up and they introduce and they say I'm one of the dozens of listeners which is great such a wonderful calling card and then there are other people that I meet who look at me and say and what do you do and it's like that's that's totally fine because they're they, but but they all seem to have someone on our team that they are interested to meet sometimes it's an investor sometimes it's you know people are excited to meet Jeff Fisher or Andy Cross or uh, and couple asking after you, but at the reception on Thursday evening, I was talking with a couple of members, and I was in one corner of the room, and a bunch of us traveled out on Wednesday, uh, a few people traveled out on Thursday, one of those people was Dan Boyd. So, I had not seen Dan until the reception, and so I'm standing in this corner talking with a couple of members, and I see Dan walking by, he's maybe 20 feet away, and he waves to me, and I, uh, I wave hello, and I just sort of hollered after him. I said, hey, I, I need to chat with you for a minute. I'll, I'll catch up with you later. And one of the members I was speaking with said, who's that? I said, that's Dan Boyd. And both of these guys immediately just turned. and That's Dan Boyd? That's the man? That, that's the guy behind the glass on market? That's Dan Boyd? I was like, yeah. I mean, and if you want to go, by all means, we can cut this conversation short if you, if you want to go talk to him. Um, so, so he has stalkers now. He, you know, yeah, good Pe- stalkers. People are excited to meet Dan. People are excited yeah. to meet Steve Broido. So, yeah, sure, a very good event. Uh, but sticking with the movie theme, we were we were chatting right before we started taping. I, you had seen Big Short, the movie The Big Short, uh, a few weeks ago. I just saw it uh, recently. Really like that movie. I don't think I'm voting if I get a an Academy Award vote. I don't think I'm voting for that for Best Picture. But I see why it was nominated. It's a phenomenal cast, and they all do a great job. Although I do think if I get a vote, I'm voting. I'm giving the best supporting actor nomination to Steve Carell, as opposed to Christian Bale. Christian Bale did a great job. I think Steve Carell was stronger. Yeah, I I was not as big a fan of it. I I thought the book was better, and that frequently is an experience when you like the book, and you know the movie is different. It had to be different from the book, and I think that the screenplay to get adapted screenplay. I think it's it, yeah. Because I can see that. Because it's not an easy topic to present in an entertaining format. Yes. And I think it achieved that. Uh, Although, the, I remember reading the book, and it's a book I've read a few times, I remember reading the book and thinking about individual people in the book and thinking at the time, boy, that would make for a great movie character. And in fact, the, the, the people that Steve Carell and Christian Bale play in the movie are the two people from the book that I remember thinking, gosh, I would love to see that person on the big screen. Christian Bale, his character, uh, used to post on the Motley Fool boards. Dr. Michael Burry? I believe so. Wow. Yeah. There you go. We were fact checked that before, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. But a long be, time ago, like full post boards a long time ago. But to be clear, Christian, days. Christian yeah. Bale hasn't been posting on... Not to our knowledge. Could be could be posting under a screen name that we're unfamiliar with. He might be posting on the boards down in Australia with our Australia service. Could be. We don't know. We maybe it's he is. probable. It's probable that he is. <laughs> One assumes. Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris, Christian Bale, 
We're not going to, Dr. Phil. We're not going to respond. We, we just assume. We're, no, no, we're not going to respond to the rumors that Christian Bale is posting on the Fool Australia boards under an assumed name. We're not going to. We're not no, going to do that. There's we res- no reason to comment on the state of our knowledge as to whether that is fully accurate. And we value our members' privacy, and to the extent that Christian Bale is posting on the boards in Australia, we're going to respect his privacy. All right. If movies is a topic, and we've we've done Disney, let's go back to something we probably edit this out because we're so far off topic at this point. Right. We we talked at one point about what are what is the Mount Rushmore of Pixar movies for you? um, Just in case any listeners are a still listening or b no, wondering, no problem no likelihood of that there's we're not going back to investing <laughs> so, the, so the investing portion of this episode is done we're zipping in and out of this quickly yeah. uh the mount rushmore of pixar movies yes wow you're springing this on me no i'm not springing this on i think we did this once really? a while ago i would put were you not there uh, I might have been somebody that looks like you uh it was before inside out came out i would put in i would put inside out on that i would put the Incredibles on that. I think I would put the first Monsters Inc. God, I, I can't go with it. So I, I only so get four. So, so I, I think you, Toy Story can count as one for me. Wait, you're 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 making all three Toy Story movies count as one? I, I will take one of those three movies and put that on Mount Rushmore. Okay, and it doesn't really matter to me which one. Okay, because they're of a piece. Uh, and then um, the Incredibles and. See, I haven't seen Inside Out. You should see it. Yeah. It's going to win the Oscar, and and their trophy case at Pixar is just going to get more crowded. Possibly up. Um, and God, there are so many. Have people tell us what, what should have been should have been in there. Yeah, and tw- I haven't seen Inside Out, so that may Tweet be at us, at MarketFullery at fool.com. But Find, be, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. But to be clear... You can't put a franchise because I, I remember we did have see, this Inside, conversation. If Inside Out is better than Up, if I someday see it and, and put it, but the, the incredible, it's got to be Incredibles, Finding Nemo, and Toy Story. I think when we had this conversation, one of the people in the conversation who may or may not have been Bill Mann attempted to put an entire franchise. Said, "Well, I'm putting all all of the Toy Story movies on the Mount Rushmore," and we said, "No, no, no, you can't. You, no, it's an individual see, movie." I'm doing that now. Uh, yeah, no, you can't, you can't do that. But thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.